1: Hi, folks. I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on May the 1st, 2009. Uh, newcomers should go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com, and on the website you can download as many of the talks I've given in the past as you wish, but i try to at least give you what I understand as being shortcuts to the big picture because it really takes years of research into a lot of truthful stuff, a lot of iffy stuff and middle-of-the-road stuff before you can actually get a picture of what's going on because all information is tampered with and all information tends to bring you to predetermined conclusions by those that write the stuff. And since history is made up of authorized writers and historians, it's no surprise that we're always kept in some degree of confusion. So I try to bypass that, show you the big picture, show you how politics is a scam, and how we've been living through an agenda for an awful long time, an agenda by what's called the Parallel Government, as Professor Carl Quigley calls it, and he should know since he was the official historian for this Parallel Government, the CFR, as it's known in the United States. Also look into AlanWatt's sentinel.eu for transcripts of these talks which I give, and they're written in the various languages of Europe. You can print them up and pass them around to your friends. Uh, for those who just get the disc burned and passed around, and they don't use computers, you can get in touch with me at Alan Watt, site 41, box 4. The town is uh, Estaire. It's a one-street town. Uh, uh, yeah, one-street town really. Estaire, which is E S T A I R E, Ontario, Canada, and the postal code is P as in Peter, three, E as in Elizabeth, four. N, as in NORA, 1. And remember, personal checks are fine and acceptable from the U.S. and Canada. Or you can go into cuttingthrometrics.com, order the books, etc. And you can also use PayPal for that and donations. We have started off this week by going into the whole art of crisis creation and how for an awful long time now, really since 2001 especially, And the year 2000, in fact, when you started off the phony Y2K, uh, that was the start of the the crisis creation, one crisis after another, because, you see, the 21st century was designed to be the century of change. That was the real meaning behind the the marketing strategy of change is good. It was picked up by politicians. It was actually written for them by the marketing companies on behalf of the foundation's Uh, that hope to bring their whole new scientific era and scientific management of the entire planet into reality. That's what this century is literally all about. And by using their own documentation, which you must do, uh, you can eventually prove your point. You can prove that we're living through a script. You can go into uh, other sites that will... Uh, mixed space aliens with it. Um, Some of the sites, unfortunately, even in Patriot Radio, uh, which is a name for this, make an incredible killing, I mean profit, it's a killing, off of catastrophe, impending gloom and doom, etc. And I even noticed some of the old-timers that vanished in Y2K after fleecing the public by selling everything under the sun uh, are now back doing their rounds in the present crisis to do with supposed flu. But again, like Rothschild said, you make your money when blood is rolling in the streets, or at least the threat of it. And the world, unfortunately, in this system is full of sharks that get into every area, and even those that are trying to be honest. I'll be back with more on this topic after these messages. through the matrix, trying to bring perspective back on reality to show people uh, that, yeah, billions of people can truly be managed by a few at the top who have control of the media and who have a thousand front organizations that appear to be to the public in a way, official organizations, but they're actually non-governmental organizations owned by foundations, private foundations, that finance them. And the foundations in turn are owned by the private bankers, the international bankers, the the ones that lend to federal reserves, etc. That's how the world is truly run. And they have an agenda, an agenda that Aldo Huxley, the brother of Julian Huxley, about and brave new worlds and gave many talks about it. I have links of Aldo Huxley talking on my website in the archives section. And you can also, I've also gone through some of the writings from the books put out by Julian Huxley, the brother, who was the first uh, CEO of UNESCO as well. And they were very blatant about the world they were bringing in. as was a scientific type of dictatorship where The elite, the natural aristocracy, the intelligentsia, if you will, would run the world the way they think that it should be run. And this idea of individual sovereignty and having human rights, etc., individual rights, would simply have to go. And there's no better way to do that than to create crisis and then, from a, a single source, which is the United Nations, pass legislation that's then signed into law by all the member countries then total authority is given to supposed specialist areas of scientists within the United Nations. That's what we're living through right now. And to start off the show, I've been talking from uh, reading from people for preserving our Western heritage that have a lot of quotes down. It's a very good site because it's handy to have references like this when you're explaining to people what's happening. And I'll simply repeat some of these things. We have to repeat things even to ourselves often to remember them. And remember the marketing companies use this strategy on the public. They teach their members that if they want to get something across in advertising, they must repeat it because they've done all the studies and tests. It works on every ethnic group across the planet. They must repeat it a minimum of eight times before the public start to pick up on it and part it themselves. That's a fact. That's why you had weapons of mass destruction. That's why you have global warming. Then it's changed to climate change, climate change, climate change. Repetition. Simple. So here's one quote here. We've all heard about the scam for global warming, and it's truly to take over most facets of your life, including population reduction, sustainability, and eventually who will have the right to breed and all the rest of it. And in their own words, this is what they say. This is Stephen Schneider, Stanford Professor of Climatology, the lead author of many of the United Nations IPCC reports, as the International Panel on Climate Change, as they're calling it now around Global warming. We need to get some broad-based support to capture the public's imagination. imagination. Right? So we have to offer up scary scenarios made simplified meaning for the public, because we're all very simple, make dramatic statements, Terrifying statements. And make little mention of any doubts. Never say that they might be wrong. See? Each of us has to decide what the right balance is between being effective, that means lying and getting what you want, and being honest. So Stephen Schneider, professor, Stanford at Climatology, etc., etc. Sir Hugh Houghton, who's the first chairman of the IPCC at the United Nations, said, unless we announce disasters, no one will listen. Well, that's true. See, if we don't see disasters, we think it's all nonsense. So they've got to create the perception of it. And here's exactly what Paul Watson, who's a co-founder of Greenpeace, said about that. Remember, we saw them all in their little boats, and there's these big ships towering above them, as they supposedly, supposedly, according to perception, were out to save the world and save the whales. It was all to get power to give them a political force and say, in public affairs that's what it was about so perception is better Paul Watson said this it doesn't matter what is true it only matters what people believe is true and what do we all believe well, we saw, the little boats these little dinghies buzzing around these massive ships we thought what brave people trying to save the world in that little rubber dinghy and it's all a con for takeover for your rights in every aspect, as he A thousand points of light, you see. A thousand points of light, as Bush uh, said, President Bush Senior. He was talking about all the NGOs that are working and taking power from the public, from democracy, and riding over democracy by the new system. where we will simply obey experts. And then Timothy Wirth, President of the United Nations Foundation, said this. We've got to ride this global warming issue. Even if the theory of global warming is wrong, we will be doing the right thing in terms of economic and environmental policy. The end justifies the means, doesn't it? Any means possible to get the end justified. And then Christine Stewart, who was a former Canadian minister, that's the appointed minister, politician, of the environment for Canada. No matter if the science of global warming is all phony. Climate change provides the greatest opportunity to bring about justice and equality in the world. Well, you have to understand what they're talking about, justice and equality. It's not what you think it is. But here she's validating lying, even if it's all phony, she says. Daniel Botkin, another advisor, along with Al Gore and all the rest of them, the only way to get society to truly change is to frighten people with the possibility of a catastrophe. Emeritus Professor Daniel Botkin. These are names that pop up all the time in the media with pandemics and everything else. They're still at it with everything, you see. Fire, fire, fire. And then Mr. David Rockefeller, who's... Foundation funds hundreds of these other NGOs and other foundations. We're on the verge of a global transformation. All we need is the right major crisis. That's why he said that the Club of Rome is the executive manager of it and many, many other big propagandist think tanks. An ongoing agenda. We've got to understand it's panic, panic, panic. Why 2K? They went 2001. Next thing you know, we're at war with the whole of Islam, supposedly, and millions of people across the world want to destroy the Western world and America, especially according to Bush Jr. And it, now we're under martial law across the planet. Uh, experts are running our lives. We're living in police states. It's getting worse all the time. We have no rights left. They've given themselves the legal rights and signed it into law that they can snoop on anybody. At all times. We have no privacy. We're told we have no privacy whatsoever in any of our communication. And then we got raped and looted by the bankers as they bring in the IMF to its full stature. That was all planned. Everything's planned and they always know what they want at the end of it. They know before they begin it what they want. And they get it. And then we're getting the taxpayers, to bail out the same banks that looted us in the process. And everyone's forgotten, and no time at all as they hit you with the next crisis, which is no crisis at all. Crisis creation. As you stampede the herd along a certain path, where we might wake up at the end and say, where on earth are we? Because you won't recognize the new totalitarian system. And it's so amazing that crisis after crisis can make people forget so quickly, even older people, how it was just 10 years ago. The vast transformation. So we're living through crisis creation now. Here's an article here, if I can bring it up. Maybe I can, maybe we will. Yeah. This here is um, it's from Christopher Booker on the Mail Online. And this is a good article to read because he goes through some of this himself. Sometimes we need other people who seem to be official from mainstream to say the same thing as I'm saying. This is a technique, again, they know, what they, are. they know we're liable to listen to so-called authoritarian figures. That's why they present them to us. And we grew up watching them at 6 o'clock every night. Daddy would never lie to you. From Friday May the 1st, pandemic of of panic. After a salmonella, bird flu, the millennium bug, should we actually be scared this time? He says, as Mexico's city, the third largest in the world, grinds to a halt, the EU's health commissioner warns European travelers not to fly anywhere in North or Central America unless their journey is absolutely necessary. And in Britain, where 50 million pounds worth of face masks are on order, government ministers go into full crisis mode. This is the, this is the politicians in White House, Whitehall, where they run the country. They're holding emergency meetings in a bunker, in a bunker, right? all to make it seem so terrifying, and telling us they will soon be sending a leaflet on the dangers of Mexican swine flu to every home in the country, no expense spared to keep the hype up, you see. As BBC BBC presenters, now the British Broadcasting Corporation is truly the the, the top, the premier propagandist on the planet. They've had more experience than any other other station, and it's a government-owned mouthpiece. As BBC presenters roll their lips around such words as pandemic and Armageddon, <laughs> we're gravely warned that this new flu strain could be as dangerous as the famous Spanish flu which killed 50 million people end of World War I. It says it may be that swine flu has killed 159 people in Mexico itself, though so it's not certain that it was the cause of all those deaths. No, it's 77 now. And I'm going to go through this article because it's very important what it says when come back from this break. through the matrix, trying to keep things in perspective as we're assaulted in all sides, but mainly from the top, with massive propaganda to create fear with an object in mind, of course. And that's to get us to realize that we're so weak and puny and tiny and helpless nowadays, as opposed to our, our forefathers, that we need to be guided by scientists who are the only ones who can fight off all invisible things that we can't see. It's a kind of repetition of how priesthoods in ancient days and not so ancient and tall In fact, sometimes they did they, fight off all kinds of unseen threats on our behalf, and we had to pay them handsomely to do so and obey their every order. It's the same technique that's used with the white coat scientific priesthood that's supposed to run our lives today. So this article is from Christopher Booker, and I'm reading this from the mail online. He's talking about all the, the panics that's been created in the past, He says, more cases may emerge among the the 10,000 unfortunate Britons stranded in Mexico by this emergency and more cases in Britain itself in addition to the three announced yesterday. But, But are we sure that this extraordinary crisis is being kept in perspective? Don't we have the sense that we have seen this kind of panic before which eventually turned out to have gone way over the top? Now, it's true enough, everybody who's come down with the flu has been told to stay at home and treat it as a normal flu and it's over in about three days drink lots of water, don't exert yourself, take a couple of aspirin, etc. The moment which more than any might have set off a severe attack of déjà vu came when the BBC, the top of the British Broadcasting Corporation again, Today programmed, wheeled on an expert from the World Health Organization, like how he says it, the wheeled on an expert, to tell us that 40% of us in Britain may catch swine flu, while another unnamed expert was quoted predicting that 1.2 million Britons could die now get back to perspective again and to that article I read from it first with all the quotes to do with crisis creation and using fear and panic to get what they want it's not long since in 2005 that an even more senior World Health Organization official was telling us that anytime soon a worldwide epidemic of Asian bird flu could kill 150 million people The actual death rate toll from bird flu to date is around 200 worldwide. Now remember, the regular flu kills off thousands. And this guy says barely double the number already dead when that hysteria was at its height. Only here and there in recent days as Mexican flu rages through the headlines have a handful of voices suggested that we should keep some sense of proportion on what is happening. As California's Governor Arnold Schwarzenegger declared a state of emergency because 60-odd Californian schoolchildren have contracted Mexican flu without any so far dying, it's pointed out that normal flu strains cost 36,000 deaths in America every year. (laughs) When a Scottish couple are rushed into an isolation ward after returning from their Mexican honeymoon with swine flu, Michael O'Leary, the boss of Reiner, asks... Will the Edinburgh couple die? No. A couple of strep which you can buy at any candy shop, will do the job. (laughs) Remember, perception becomes reality. Guy from Greenpeace is what the public believe, right? Why don't you believe it's from television? Rush the emergency, give them strep which you suck on, lozenges, sugar, and honey. I have a particular reason for having cast a cautious eye on the familiar sight of the scare machine being cranked up in recent days. Two years ago, with a noted food safety expert, Dr. Richard North, I wrote a book entitled Scared to Death, a detailed account of the chief scares which have regularly held us in thrall in recent decades. Again and again since the food scares of the 1980s, we have seen these waves of hysteria rise and fall, over everything from salmonella and eggs and Asian bird flu to the millennium bug, which was supposedly going to bring civilization to a halt at midnight on December the 31st, 1999, as half the world's computers would crash and planes would fall out of the sky. I can remember that, too, and it's true enough, a lot of the Patriot guys made a killing and selling everything for this non-event. That particular panic cost an estimated $300 billion dollars, before it was discovered that the countries that hadn't spent fortunes on sorting out their computers fared no worse than those who had. One of the benefits of analysing a whole series of scares is that it tells us how consistently they follow an identifiable pattern from the moment when they begin with some scientific conclusion, that's how they all begin some scientific conclusion, to the time when it eventually becomes clear that any genuine threat has been inflated away beyond any relation. To reality. In all sorts of ways, the current panic over swine flu is already fitting into that pattern, displaying the features familiar from scares which have long since run their often highly expensive and damaging course. The last occasion where our government was panicked into sending a health warning to every household in the country, for instance, was 1987 when Edwina Curry sent out such a pamphlet which said, Don't Die of Ignorance! Warning as of the terrifying threat of AIDS. That's true, we're supposed to be dead by AIDS by now, too. That was another World Health Organization thing. No one can doubt that HIV AIDS has remained a serious problem to date, responsible for some eighteen thousand deaths in the UK. But back in the late nineteen eighties we were being solemnly warned that as early as nineteen ninety we'd expect the death toll to reach a million compared with the 9,000 people who die in National Health Service hospitals every year just from the MRSA and C. difficile. These are these bugs that you're going to need to catch in hospitals. Supposedly they can't get rid of them, but they can do it. In fact, in what was the ex-Soviet bloc, I'm going to do a program on this to tell you there's another alternative to it, which they won't tell you about here. I'll be back with more on this after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network, because you can handle the truth. I'm Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the Matrix. This article from the Mail Online is pretty good by Christopher Booker, going through all the terrifying, scary scenarios of the past. And how they all fizzled into nothing, except laws were passed that took away more rights and made more authorities given more power. And that's what they're after now for the World Health Organization: power over every country in the world. And it's nothing to do with your health. Even though they're called world, world Health. Remember, World Health Organization. Their priority is sustainable living for the planet. World Health, you see, organization. Uh, the United Nations. But he goes on about how 90,000 people die in National Health Service hospitals every year. I'm surprised it's not a lot more because it's awful conditions in Britain now. From MRSA and C. difficile, which are those resistant bacterium that, you, that plague hospitals in the Western country, but not in the old Soviet bloc because they use phagocytes to kill them off by simply spraying the walls. But they won't use it here because we must be kept in panic, and it's good for bringing down the, the population as well. But it says here it was Edwina Curry again who in 1988 set off the panic over salmonella in eggs, which was supposedly going to kill thousands of people because the bacteria were somehow getting inside the eggs they ate for breakfast. Few headlines greeted the government's admission four years later that salmonella was not getting inside eggs after all, and that whatever else had caused a temporary rise in salmonella poisoning it wasn't the eggs. See, the, the media loves the hype to terrify you, but they give you the one, one-liners years later about the little bits of truth, you see, because it doesn't bring headlines, it doesn't make headlines of truth. In 1996, when the greatest food scare of all exploded over BSE, uh, that's the bovine uh, problem with the mad cow front-page headlines greeted the admission on Newsnight by the government's chief scientist, John Pattison, that the death toll from... C.J.D., fruits of Jacob's uh, disease, caught by eating beef, could be within a few years reach 500,000. A year later, however, scarcely any attention at all was paid to Dr. Patterson's confession that he had now revised his figures downwards to just 100, from 500, half a million down to 100. Indeed, it now seems highly likely that beef was not the cause of C.J.D. at all. Remember all that hype? They showed the same cow going across the farmyard day after day, ad nauseum, to make you think that every cow was coming down with this thing. Now, That cow could have been given an injection in the spine to make it stagger, it could have had an accident as well, that happens as well. But no, seeing is believing. What was it? They said a green piece there. It's what the public believe is important, not what's real. See? Again and again we have seen this pattern repeating itself from SARS and dioxins to the confusion between different types of asbestos costing literally hundreds of billions of dollars in lawsuits alone. The one lesson which comes out from them all loud and clear is that our modern world has become far too prone to getting these supposed threats out of all proportion. Of course we should expect our governments to be watchful and prepared to meet any genuine threat to our health and well-being. Well, I wouldn't because I know what the governments are all about. But as history painfully shows, we have become far too quick to overreact to dangers which too often turn out either to have been wildly exaggerated or never to have existed at all. Too many people seem to have a vested interest in taking up these panics beyond what the evidence can support, from scientists dependent on promoting scares for their funding, and that's true, to politicians who recklessly use scares to show their concern for our welfare, it's actually to get get of power, in governmental positions and authorities over the public. We in the media, it's only fair to add, are far from the blameless in this respect. But this latest panic, should be, or what it should be telling us is, in short, is that we should learn to be much more careful not to talk up scares, talk them up, exacerbate them, beyond what the evidence is there to support. Stick to the facts, keep everything in proportion, and don't give way to speculations which, a year or two later, may make us look very silly indeed. And you can tell the way this is going into action, you see, from the World Health Organization and all the treaties every country signed, that the World Health Organization wants to have total authority over the world. And remember, they're not there to help you. Their major goal is sustainability and depopulation down to a managed, what they call a managed society for their century of change, where reason and science will guide the world and not people with their silly little ideas and and ideas that they're actually free and sovereign and have rights. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. Very, very simple. There is an article here too. Actually, I'll go to the callers first because there's Rachel from North Carolina who's calling here. Are you there, Rachel? Hi, yeah. Thanks yes. for taking my call. Yes.
0: Um, yeah, I saw an article today about how um, the pig farmers are now scared that the humans are going to be giving their pigs the swine yeah. flu. <laughs> That's right. So, and they were worried because there's no Tamiflu for the pigs, only aspirin. So well,
1: I, I think the right. one for the pigs is called Hamil flu,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. Pretty funny. Um, but the reason I was calling is because, um, you know how you've been talking about these sustainable communities? Yeah. Well, um, I saw this thing where last year where they were going to have a 9-11 truth meeting and they were going to talk about new ways to to build cities. And we thought, of course, since it's 9-11 truthers, that they would understand, you know, and they would start um, moving away from relying on the system, so it would be, you know, like building wells and that kind of thing and Mm -hmm. growing your own food and having community type stuff. But when we went there, we realized it was put on by the Sierra Club. Yes. yes, and um, they showed a film called "Sprawling from Grace, Driven to Madness," and basically what it was about is, I swear to God, they had, you know, overpopulation, how we're um, we're just destroying the planet, how Bush went to war for you know oil and all these countries and it's all our fault and how we're sprawling out in our suburbia and in all of our cars we're just sucking up all the resources of the planet and um, how we, we can't be so selfish mm-hmm. and you know how we have to in order to be free we have to give up our freedom That's and right. we basically have to move into these cities where they call them like mini cities or sustainable communities where Basically, you live and work in the same place and they made it all fashionable looking like you can like go get a coffee and then get on this little train and then you go like two miles and then you're at work. Yeah. And it was just like I mean, the whole thing was just so ridiculous. And then I was um, reading this book about um, basically global governance and by Henry Lamb. And he was talking about how they've already set aside like one hundred six point five million acres of designated wilderness so that we won't be able to go there. Basically these little human habitats will be, you know, strewn out throughout the you know, this huge wilderness where only these, you know, wildlife managers and researchers will be allowed to go. And I'm sure, you know, these um, rulers of ours will be sprawled out in their estates out
1: there, but, you know, we'll be packed into these cities, basically. That's exactly right. That's exactly what they've planned. Absolutely, yeah. And it, um, You know that David Brower was the first executive director of the Sierra Club, and this mm-hmm. is what he said, childbearing should be a punishable crime against society unless the parents hold a government license all potential parents should be required to use contraceptive chemicals the government issuing antidotes to citizens chosen for childbearing
0: mm mm-hmm. yes and i want to make this clear to people because i think that they they actually let this guilt you know get to them and they actually feel like it's our fault yes and yeah. i want people to know that you know we haven't cashed in on gas or natural resources, the only people that cashed in on this gas and oil that they destroyed all of this land for was these rulers because what did I get out of it? I got to get in my car and go to work and be a slave every day so that I could pay this tons of taxes and this, you know, ridiculous fees up the wazoo for everything I buy and just, I mean, literally have to slave my entire life for them. And then they cash in on me, you know, driving my car, which is a joke because there's millions of different ways, you know, to build transportation without relying on this.
1: Of course. And then, they, they're you know. are quite right. So they're quite right. They blame the victim. Yeah.
0: And then um, the other thing is if you re- watch this um thing by John Perkins, you know, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Yeah. He talks about how it's basically, you know, he was um one of these guys that would go in he was in a private company called Chas yep. Maine or whatever. Mm-hmm. He would go into these countries and totally work with the government yes. of that country to basically sell out the whole country. And um, what he would do is, okay, well, we'll give you a loan from the IMF and we'll build all this um, technology for you like roads and power and everything. But then, you know, none of the poor people who, you know, are living in these countries would benefit from any of it. Yep. And then... Um, they would end up with these huge loans that then the people would have to pay back, mm-hmm. and then the people wouldn't be able to pay it back. So then they'd go in there and we'd say, they'd say, well, well we're going to have to take your resources.
1: That's and right. they would totally would
0: pollute yep. all of these countries and take the whole place down. These, and then, you know, we go in there with our factories and say, well, you'll get $1, or, you know, a day, and we're saving you because, you know, before you couldn't live without us. But in reality, they were totally sustainable by themselves.
1: Yes, exactly, they were sustainable. And even that man who's doing that, he did that his whole life, remember, without conscience. And now at the end of his shows, his lectures, he talks about sustainable development and how we're all one world. So he's now working for the foundations, doing the same thing, in a sense, in another roundabout fashion.
0: Right, and I I got the sense that, you know, he thinks that now we're going to be, like, forgiving him, like, you know, he's doing some great thing. And I'm just thinking, you know what? You have sold out so many countries, so yeah. many people. You've destroyed so many people's lives. I hope you've got a sec- a plan B for mm-hmm. um, you know, absolving yourself from all the sin.
1: <laughs> Not well, that what, what he's actually doing, person. what he's actually doing, is the next part of the, the plan. is they go into sustainability, and he's trying to get the citizens all on board to go into the next part of it, which is total right. world domination by the same technique. And it's it was, very, very clever. Yeah.
0: And it was complete crap. Now he's got all these new age type.
1: Yes, I saw that. Where, you know, he's like a
0: shaman or something, and it's just like, yeah. come on,
1: you know. yeah, I, mean, I know. Just, I know. You can pretty well tell who's taught him, and, and he's working for the foundations again. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I just, I, I think it's so sad that people are actually being fooled by this because I can see, yeah. you know, these people that were, you know, putting on this show, they really actually felt that they were doing something right because they cared about the environment, you know. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then here it's like, no, you just don't realize that they're, I mean, first of all, obviously this population control is all over that video. Mm-hmm. And, um, just this whole guilt ridden, you know, Tyrannical, yep. um, <laughs> agenda is
1: just
0: so sure. out of control.
1: Yeah, and, and you're always left, you see, mankind has, has caused it himself. You're all to you blame, all you people out there. As you see, you worked all your life. You are all the cause of this. And the best of it is the big foundations who own these big corporations uh, are the guys who did They're now blaming us, the workers, for it. Mm-hmm. They still own the world's resources, these same mm-hmm. guys that caused it. The, look at the Rockefellers and how many mountains have they destroyed, how many oil mm-hmm. fields have they sucked dry over the years, and they run the biggest foundation of all for sustainability.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um- and um i was actually thinking back you know when i was a kid because this yeah, i mean this has been going on forever but um even in with religion i mean they've just they're just out of control with the control and um, manipulation with that i remember in second grade they handed out these envelopes um and i was literally 9 years old and they said well every sunday you've got to you know give some of your um whatever you make you know as a kid you know you just make allowance I made a dollar fifty and they wanted part of my money every week. Yeah. So I chucked those things in the trash can because it didn't have my name on it. Mm-hmm. Would you believe that they dug it out of the trash can? They brought it up, brought me up to the front of the class and had to like humiliate me and yeah. be like, you know, you have to use these. You have to give this. You know, money, this is, you know, you're so selfish. You didn't. You yeah. don't think of anyone of yours, but yourself. And this is like the same kind of... Um, same
1: technique. Same te- technique. Technique is. where, mm-hmm.
0: yeah, and, that, and they make it like, well, you're not only hurting yourself, you're hurting mm-hmm. us, you're hurting the whole class, you're hurting everyone in the you're world. You're antisocial.
1: You know? That's, and it's the the, the same, message is you're antisocial. Yeah, yeah
0: it's like yeah. there's so many mechanisms they've got in place, whether it's religion or, you know, the workplace or, you know, politics or whatever, where you're just like you know, you're in this kind of group think, you know, if you try to wiggle out of it, you know, you're somehow hurting everybody else or something. And That's it's right. just like when you realize what these people have been doing for years, it's just mm-hmm. like, and that you know, one, one question I did have was, you know, you know how like um, with the Bolshevik revolution, mm-hmm. um, Rockefeller went over there and tried to, um, you know, get Trotsky and um, Lenin to overthrow the czar and everything. Mm-hmm. Well, wasn't he already working with Rothschild at that time to take over the planet? Oh, yes.
1: So why there's, would he try no to doubt, step on uh, his toes? There's no doubt that Rothschild, the British government, and elements in the American government and the big banks were all funding uh, the same project. In fact, Trotsky was caught at Halifax, Canada, on his way over with the money to start to kick off the Bolshevik Revolution. And as President Wilson sent up a special courier, Uh, with an American passport that would allow him to continue out of Canada. But Customs actually had uh, Trotsky in prison for a couple of days during that, while they waited for it. And he went over there with millions of dollars uh, in cash and and in gold. And um, that train went up through Germany eventually, and that's what uh, kicked off the revolution. It was all planned by the West, yeah.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, how come... um... I guess they were all working together, so it wasn't really like Rockefeller was going in there and trying to take over what No, Rothschild no. Had. You see,
1: the, again, Weishaupt talked in the, in, the, in the 1700s about the creation of philanthropic organizations. These are the foundations which the same big bankers would front. Would mm-hmm. And the Rothschild's foundation is the one. In fact, even that book, The Cultural Wars, it's now admitted. It's all declassified stuff from the CIA. Uh, mm-hmm. Rockef- they used to go to Rockefeller for cash handouts at times. He worked... Completely with them, with, with government, with the CIA. Mm-hmm. He was in on everything that was happening all through the Cold War. How can that be? A guy who runs <clears throat> banks galore and uh, Federal Reserve uh, branches and Chase Manhattan is part of it too. Um, how can this be? Well, you see, foundation, we don't have democracy. Mm-hmm. You've, you've got this well, parallel sure. government and Rockefeller's a part of it being a, a foundation holder. And he founds uh, thousands of NGOs, he alone, plus he also, the Rockefeller Foundation now also, I think, runs the, the, uh, I think it's the Carnegie Foundation or the Ford. They took over the management of the other one. Mm -hmm. So you have Ford, Carnegie, and Rockefeller basically run by the same uh, panel.
0: Well, I don't even understand how anyone thinks they have any... (laughs) That there's any democracy when you write to your congressman and, A, you either get no response or you get a canned letter Uh that says the opposite of everything that you've you've basically said. So we have to vote people in that we have no idea about them. We have no idea what kind of stuff they're going to be voting on. And then even if you give your opinion, they're not going to follow – they're going to do whatever they're going to do.
1: Of course, because there's only one agenda, and they're told their agenda before they're saying, we're going to put you into politics. They're told what it's going to be.
0: Right, and so it's like somehow we're supposed to think that we're represented, but at the same time there's no avenue. Even with all this new technology, there's no way to maybe take a survey of what your constituents think and maybe vote that way. There's no way to do
1: that? No, because because there's no reality to politics. They're not there to serve the people. Never have been. But but, uh, thanks for calling. I'll be back with more after these messages. Hi folks, I am Alan Watt, and we're cutting through the matrix. And it's very true, we get very indignant when we really start to wake up. It's when we realize what's happening, and happened to us. And now we, the victims, are being blamed for all the problems that were started up by the big moguls that now run the foundations and give us the guilt trips. It's beautiful. But don't worry, because remember Huxley said himself, and I'll do Huxley in his book, Brave New World, he talked about the Soma drug, it all make you happy. In fact, he said in his Berkeley lecture that would come to love our servitude. And lo and behold, now I'm going to show you how predictive programming works, and if I can rush through this without... now I'll also remember the links for these stories I put up on cuttingthroughmatrix.com website. Check them up. It's from the BBC, the Master propagandist, really for Predictive Programming. It's how it leads you through into an idea and leaves you with the, the, the definite uh, possibility that's going to happen. Lithium in water curbs suicide. You know, they give this to manic depressives, remember, lithium. Drinking water which contains the element lithium may reduce the risk of suicide, a Japanese study suggests. So here's the format, see? Researchers examined the level of lithium in drinking water and suicide rates in the prefecture of Oitsa which is a population of more than 1 million. The suicide rate was significantly lower than areas with the highest levels of the element, they wrote in the British Journal of Psychiatry. Now that's completely combined with control of the mind for, for population control, mind control, etc. High doses of lithium are already used to treat serious mood disorders. This isn't building up how good it is. But the team from the University of Oita and Hiroshima found that even relatively low levels appear to have positive impacts of suicide but it says here that they were thinking uh, it could be a cumulative protective effect on the brain from years of drinking this in tap water from tap water and they build it up and build it up throughout the story and stop short of suggesting it even says that of suggesting that lithium be added to drinking water but then it goes into but the discussion around adding fluoride to water to protect dental health uh, has proved controversial criticized by some as mass involuntary medication. In other words, they've already done it, you see, to, to help save your teeth. So this is how this is, using your logic and guiding you to conclusion. An accompanying editorial, Professor Alan Young of Vancouver's Institute for Mental Health said, this intriguing data should provoke much research. Large-scale trials involving the addition of lithium to drinking water supplies may then be feasible, although this would undoubtedly be subject to considerable debate. Following up on these findings will not be straightforward or inexpensive, but the eventual benefits for community mental health may be considerable. So they're going to do it, folks. But the way they've written this article is, is simple, predictive programming, leading you through how wonderful it is, and then giving you the idea, and then telling you if they put it in the water... Uh, And after all, we're already putting fluoride in the water, and we've got over that controversy. So what's the big problem of adding this to the water for brain health, right? Sophie Corlett, External Relations Director at Mental Health Charity, again a foundation, non-governmental organization. The the charity is called MIND, said the research certainly merits more investigation We already know that lithium can act as a powerful mood stabilizer for people with bipolar disorder and treating people with lithium is also associated with lower suicide rates. However, lithium also has significant and unpleasant side effects in higher doses and can be toxic. Any suggestion that it should be added even in tiny amounts of water should be treated treated with caution and researched very thoroughly and I'm sure they'll bring lots of experts on to justify it and say it's all perfectly safe. They want a drugged Soma population. But why not? World peace is absence of all opposition, according to them. From Hamish myself, to Canada, it's good night, and your God or your gods go with you.